We timed that just right so that you didn't even need sound effects. That was just the rain throughout that entire video. That's, that was all just super intentional. You can, you can be assured of that this morning. Uh, we kicked off a series last week uh, called Inclined. Um, and I want to just begin by um, just laying out for you really, really quick um, if you missed it, if you were not here for the kickoff to the series, um, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. Go back, you can check it out on praise.fyi and click on the messages and you should be able to get started. And the reason why that's so important is number one, we can't go back and, um, and re-preach that sermon and yet so important to the rest of the series um, because of the fact that we began with the end in mind. And so the idea behind this series, let me just start with that. The basics of this series is that our hearts are naturally inclined, that we have natural inclinations, that we have natural predispositions, that when we set our brain on autopilot, we end up in certain places over and over and over again, that we have those inclinations no matter who you are. Because Ecclesiastes 10.2 says very clearly that if you're wise, you have an, a heart that is inclined a certain direction. And if you're foolish, that you have a heart that is inclined a certain direction. They both are inclined. That's everybody. We have natural inclinations of the heart. This is just a, a basic understanding of how God made us to be. That our hearts are inclined certain directions. And if our hearts are inclined certain directions, that it's so important that we lead those inclinations, that we step into that and we ask the question of what are we inclined towards? What do we love? What do we treasure? What is it that brings us joy and pleasure? What is it that we're seeking? What do we want? Because if we know what we want, then we know what our hearts will be inclined towards, what our predispositions will be. And so there's some really just deep questions that we need to ask of ourselves and say, which way is my heart inclined? It's not a question of whether it's inclined, it's a matter of which way it's inclined. And so this series is supposed to be about just spiritual disciplines. It's supposed to be about, um, it's supposed to be about the disciplines of our faith, which you've probably heard a billion times before right? Like the disciplines of our faith that, that um, just form the foundations of how we live and, and the things that you learned if you were a part of the church for any length of time, you learned all the way back in Sunday school. You know, the, the disciplines that are supposed to be daily things, but we need to begin with why. We need to begin with the heart behind them. We need to begin with understanding what we're working towards. Because if we go through these spiritual disciplines, which you've heard before, and we don't have that peace, there's a couple things that will happen. Number one, our brains are incredible. Over time, you can ignore certain sounds like rain on the roof. 
right? Like if it's, if it's the same sound for long enough and you know that it's going to be the same sound and you've heard it before and you know and your, your brain will automatically just handle that subconsciously, right? Like you don't have to think about the fact that you're breathing right now, but now you are thinking about the fact that you are breathing right now as soon as it's brought up. But until then, it's just like something that's handled kind of on the side without you having to ever put any conscious thought into it. And our brains are incredible about the ability to do that, right? Our brains are incredible about filtering out information that's not immediately necessary in order that we might focus on those things that are necessary. And so with our brains like that, if you hear the same spiritual discipline, read your Bible, pray, worship God, if you hear all those same spiritual disciplines, again, that you've heard before, then your brain goes on autopilot and you miss out. But if you start with the end in mind and what we're trying to accomplish, then that's a totally different thing. And that's what we talked about last week. And so, um, so don't allow that danger to take root of just ignoring. And so um, don't miss it for that reason. But I think there's also a second reason why it's so important that we begin with the end in mind. When I was um, first moved to Springfield, my mechanic was a good old boy. And what I mean by that was he was a good old boy. I mean, and if you, if you know me, you know that I also am a good old boy, right? Like, you can tell just by looking at me, that guy's a good old boy. He grew up in the Ozarks. You can tell just looking at him, right? But I went to this guy, and from the very beginning, I loved his style, he ended up retiring because he was good old boy. And when he retired, he handed the shop off to his son, and we stopped using that guy. We found a different guy because he wasn't as good as an old, of an old boy. So, so, but this guy was excellent, and he had a way of saying things that, that um, you knew he came from like a deep knowledge, but it wasn't like a, a head knowledge. He knew his stuff. So like there was one time that I, was, I brought a car to him, it was just having running issues, and it just would, it didn't sound right, it didn't run right, and so I, I brought it to him, and he, he looked at me, and he goes, well, I can tell you what it is right here. And I said, oh, yeah? He goes, yep, it's one of two things. And I said, what's that? He goes, it's either fuel or fire. I said, what? It's either fuel or fire. I said, I'm sorry, what's a fire? Right, like, <laughs> it's either fuel or fire. And what he meant by that is it's one of two possibilities for it not running right. It's either the fact that there's not the right ratio of oxygen to fuel and it's not mixing quite right. It's either on the fuel side of the equation or it's on the other side of the equation with the spark. And maybe it's the spark plugs or it's the distribution cap or the wires or whatever else is inside of there that makes the fire side of it go. And he just looked at it and goes, it's either fuel or fire. He knew all that stuff, but he understood that the deeper issue is that it's one of two possibilities. Either you got a problem with your fuel or you got a problem with your fire. That's just the way he was, and I love that about him. And then there was another time that I brought him, a, we bought a new SUV. And by new SUV, I mean new-to-me SUV. And so it wasn't the prettiest thing around. It was kind of banged up. It had some issues, and, and yet it was new to us. And so we loved it and all of that. And so I brought it to the guy to have look at a few issues and... As part of that, there was this little cosmetic issue thing that he had repaired something else similar for me before. And so I just asked him, hey, could you, while we're doing this, could you, could you fix that little piece? And, and he legit, I remember it like it was yesterday. He looked at me and he goes, 
And he looked at the SUV and looked back at me, looked back at the SUV and said, well, what's the point? <laughs> I, I said, well, I was hoping it would get fixed. And legitimately, he looked back at the SUV, looked back at me and goes, yeah, but what's the point? And I realized that he's got a point with what's the point. Because that SUV, if I fix that one little cosmetic issue, was not all of a sudden going to be pristine, right? Like, if I fixed the one thing and I didn't have an idea of what I'm actually trying to accomplish, then I'm going to miss out on what's really important. And he, that's my way of saying it. His way of saying it was, what's the point? But if we don't know what the point is, then what happens is we end up reading the Word of God because we're supposed to. Or we end up praying because we're supposed to. Or we end up worshiping because we're supposed to. I mean, for that matter, why are you here this morning? Is it because you're supposed to? Like, because if that's the case, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. But you are missing out on the central purpose of why we gather. And if you don't know what the point is, what we're working towards, what we're leaning towards, what we're moving towards, if you don't get that piece, and it's just because you're supposed to, then you're missing what God intended for this right here. And it's a big thing. What's the point? Is like one of the most important questions that we could ever ask of anything. So even as we dive into our spiritual disciplines or we work through these things that are kind of like central to our faith, we need to know what's the point. Because if we don't, then we miss out and we do these things because we have to, because we ought to. And while that may be noble, that is not how God intended it to be. Okay, so if you would grab your Bibles. Let's start with our Bibles this morning. Grab your Bibles. If you don't own a Bible or if you don't have a Bible with you, there are some that are spread out throughout the seats. Those are the hardbacks in front of you um, in the seats this morning. And if you don't own a Bible, that Bible is actually our gift to you. We would just love for you to take that home, have that available with you. If you would also simultaneously grab your phones, open them up to praise.fyi. Um, and the reason why I want you to open up to praise.fyi is you can find there all of the all of the verses that we're going to be working through, you'll find all of the notes for, and place for you to put notes today. And um, even as you're doing all of those things and getting that set up rocking, once you have your Bible, open it up to Proverbs chapter 22, and that'll be on page 544 in the church Bibles. While you're turning there, let me say two things. Number one, the point in all of the spiritual disciplines, and I've said this like four times now in the last few months, and I'm going to keep on saying it. You'll hear me say it over and over and over again. The point of spiritual disciplines is not spiritual maturity. If that's why you do the spiritual disciplines, you're missing the point. The point is knowing and loving Christ Jesus. That's the goal. If you look at John chapter 15, Jesus did not say that you and I are fruit pickers right? Our goal is not to go around and gather up the fruit. Our goal is to be the branch that is plugged into the vine, 
and then the vine through the branch produces the fruit, okay? So our goal is to plug into Christ, to know him and to love him. And as we know and we love him, then the maturity is a fruit that comes from that. Okay, so even as we're working through these spiritual disciplines, and today we're going to be talking about the Word of God and why we read, the way we read, and, and what we read, and as we do that, remember the point. Remember that this is all about knowing and loving Christ Jesus. Let me say one more thing before we jump in, and that's last week I, I asked you to try to remember, really try to remember your first love for Christ Jesus. Remember what that was like. Remember how I, I, hopefully you remember that I asked you to remember. Because if you can't remember that, then you're not going to be able to remember the other one. Um, but hopefully you took some time this week and tried to remember that first love and what it was that really built and increased those affections for Jesus Christ. Um, there are certain spiritual disciplines that we're going to be talking about during the series that are the same for each and every one of us, right? Like each of us increase our affection for Christ by doing certain things. But there are also so many things that are different for each of us. And, and, and it's unique for each of us. Like some of us are late night people. How many of you are late night people? Yeah, there would have been more hands, but they're all sleeping right now. You know what I'm saying? And some of us are not late night people. Me, I want to be in bed before the news comes on. Right? And then I want to sleep and then I want to wake up early. There's something for me about getting up super early before the kids are up, before the birds are up, and being awake before the world wakes up. There's something about that time with God that is incredibly beautiful for me. And so some of us are late night, and just give me a late night with God, and some of us are, are more of like early morning, and, and some of us are like late night, early morning, two o'clock in the afternoon. That's me right? And, and if that's you, good. Praise God. That's good for you. That's good. <laughs> but we're different. And while there are certain spiritual disciplines that are for all of us to increase our love for Christ, at the same time, there are things that are unique to us. And so what I encouraged you to do last week was try to remember those things you did at first. And then as you remembered those things that you did at first, that you would do them again. So I don't know how you did with that. But if you didn't do it last week, do it this week. For me, I mentioned that it's about those early morning walks with the wind in the trees and the dew on the wind and the sun rising. There's something about that with me and the Lord that is irreplaceable. Now, I'll tell you, I did terrible with that because it was doing this all week, right? Every morning I get up and it's pouring rain. But, but still, I encourage you to whatever that thing is that increases your affection for Christ, do it. Do it again. Do the same thing again. But then there are some spiritual disciplines that are for each and every one of us. And that's what we're going to be reading about today. I want to read about the Word of God and what we do and how we do it. So we're in Proverbs chapter 22, and we're going to start reading in verse uh, 17. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 17. Here's what it says. Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise and apply your heart to my knowledge, for it will be pleasant if you keep them within you, if all of them are ready on your lips. Incline your ear. Here's that same word, incline. And what's really interesting to me is just as it says in the word of God, incline your heart. 
It actually even says more incline your heart, more than just incline your heart. It says more times in Scripture, incline your ear. We have the ability, like I mentioned already, to drown out things that we don't want to listen to. So what our hearts are inclined towards, then our ear is also inclined toward those same things. So on a basic level, when it says incline your ear, it's saying pay attention. But it's also saying so, so much more than that. Because we do have the ability to shut out things that we don't want to listen to, right? How many of you know that about yourself? How many know that about your spouse? <laughs> right? They have the ability. It's, it's much easier to see in your spouse than it's in, in to see in yourself. And so if you ever can't see it in yourself, just look at your spouse. They have the ability to drown out things that necessarily, like, they don't want to hear, right? Or they're focused on something else, and so they just ignore that part of it. But that's why Jesus says over and over and over again, to the one who has ears to hear, let him hear. And so when it says here, incline your ears towards this. He says, incline your ears, and it could just as easily be our eyes if we're reading the Word of God. It's in, incline our attention. It's to incline the fact that we're locking in on this, that this is something that's important to us. And he says, incline it towards the words of the wise. So I wonder, is your heart inclined towards Scripture? Is your heart pointed at Scripture? When you get a moment alone, what do you look towards? When it's not something you ought to do, but you have opportunity to do, what is that thing? Because that's what your heart's inclined towards. Let me read you another passage, and this one's in Proverbs chapter 2. I read this on Wednesday night, and it's just been running through my brain ever since. Proverbs chapter 2, I'm going to read verses 1 down to verse 5. Here's what it says. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1 says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. So same thing. You have the inclining of the heart, which results in ears that are attentive to hear the words, or eyes that are attentive in order to see the words. But do you see all of the language that we're seeing here? If you haven't been hearing these words over and over and over again over the last several months, you haven't been paying attention, because it's, you've got words like treasure. You've got words like attention and inclining and hearts. What is it talking about? Those things that we treasure, our hearts are inclined towards. And so he is saying to us, treasure the word of God. And if you treasure the word of God, then your heart will be inclined towards it. And here's what happens when your heart is inclined towards the word of God. Let's keep reading. Verse 3. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding... If you seek it like silver and search for it as for tre hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Do you love the Word of God that way? Is your heart inclined towards it that way? 
Or is the Word of God for you a diet that is only on Sunday mornings? Because if you don't love it that way, I think there's a couple of possibilities. Do you search for it like you would silver or for hidden treasures? Do you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding? Because if not, I think there's a couple of possibilities. Why not? Number one, it may be that your heart isn't inclined towards it because you do not find it a treasure. So there's a spot in my front yard that I've been meaning to do landscaping on for some time. And I keep telling myself I need to do landscaping on that spot. It just needs some work. But I've decided I'm going to put in a rock garden because it's really hard to kill rock gardens. And so I'm going to put in a rock garden at some point, and I know I need to do it. Um, and just the other week, I, I, I dug down into it to make sure that there was nothing down in the dirt and that I would be able to get down in it and remove the dirt and do the work that I need to do. And Because Missouri is... The Ozarks are different than Wisconsin. Like, the dirt here isn't dirt. It's clay, and there's rocks. Like, you can't even dig in the ground. There, it's like you can actually dig. And so here, you go down, you hit. And so I'm just checking, right? But let's say when I was just kind of testing in that dirt in order to start digging, let's say I hit something hard, and I'm like, oh, Missouri. And, and yet I could tell it was small. And so I reach down in there and I find this little clump. And it's heavy. And so I kind of pull the dirt away and see that it's a coin. And let's just say that it's heavy enough that I'm like, wow, this is very strange. And so I bring it over to the water, wash it off. And I can tell that that's no ordinary coin, but it's solid gold. Let's just say that's something that happened. First thing I would do is I'd like run inside and tell Liz, you know, I'd be like, look what I found. Isn't that awesome? That's incredible. And then I'd give it to her and go back to work because that's what I do with my money. And um, <laughs> so, so let's say I, I leave it with her and I head back out to work and start digging again. And let's say I hit something else. So I go back in, and there's another gold coin there. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. So I keep on digging, and I hit another one, and another one, and another one. Let me tell you what I would not do in that instant. I would not say, well, this is kind of boring. I'm going to go binge watch Netflix. No. Not if I am finding treasure. If I am finding gold there, then I keep going back until there's nothing left. I exhaust it. And all the other stuff pales in comparison to that gold that I'm finding in the ground. And what is this saying? That if we want the truth like that, and if our heart is inclined towards the Word of God like that, that when we come to it and we start digging and it's hard, 
We won't just say, boy, this is boring and head away. But instead, we'll start calling out to God and say, show me what this means. Because our hearts will cry out for understanding because we value it so. That's what this is saying. So may the word of God be something to us that is more than an obligation but is instead for us something that we value and treasure as something which can show us and help us to love Christ. Because if we treasure it like that, then we don't give up. And when we compare it to worthless things, those worthless things lose their luster. And this becomes incredibly valuable. So do we treasure it? That's the first question I would ask. Because if the answer is no, then truly, why would we go back over and over and over again? I think that's the first possibility, and I'm not sure that's the case for you, but if you don't find in yourself a love for it, that's probably why you don't eat it regularly. Number two, another possibility, and I think I might be partly at least responsible for this. Another possibility is that sometimes I think we can't do this for ourselves. I think sometimes when we start reading Scripture and we compare it to somebody who's trained in it, that when we read it compared to when they read it, we look at it and say, wow, this doesn't make as much sense to me as when they are the ones who are bringing it. And so because I'm such a great preacher... This may be an issue for you, but really, truly, we outsource it, right? Like we say, okay, I don't have hermeneutics training, and I don't have homiletical training, and I don't even know what those words mean, but I don't have that training, and I didn't go to school in order to learn Greek and Hebrew, and and quite honestly, I I don't even know the history of it, and so when I'm reading the Bible, I I think maybe it would just be better for me to leave that in the domain of professionals who can like properly analyze it and give the context and the background and, and, and anatomize it and atomize it and do all of the things that they do with it. And so we outsource it because we think, boy, I don't have what it takes to actually do that. And that is such a lie. Because you're right, there are professionals And it is great to know Greek and Hebrew and to know the history and to know the context. But can I say to you that you're treating it like a cadaver instead of something that is living and active? Because this is alive and it is for you and it is for me. And if you read the ESV and it's just like every time you read it, it doesn't make sense. Because this is my favorite version. This is the version that I go to regularly. But if it's not for you, find one that is. Go to the NIV or the NLT or the message or the NCV. I don't care. But find one that makes sense and you see as a treasure and go to it over and over and over and find hidden things that are for you like this that you call out to God for and you say, show me what this means. I want to have a understanding of it and it will pay dividends like you do not believe but you've got to see it that way 
ultimately what you'll find is the knowledge of God. Read that verse. And then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. It's not just about knowledge. It's about knowing Him. And that is worth all the digging and all the crying out and all the pleading. Oh God, show me what this means. And if I can do it, then you can do it. Let's go back to Proverbs chapter 22. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 17. I'm, I'm not done there yet. Verse 17 says, Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise. And this phrase for me this week jumped out and grabbed my heart. Here's what it says. And apply your heart to my knowledge. Apply your heart to my knowledge. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? It doesn't say, apply your brain to my knowledge. It doesn't say, apply your mind to my knowledge or your thoughts to my knowledge. It doesn't say any of those things. And, and to be clear, in the Old Testament, they knew the difference, Right? Like, if you read in Jeremiah, there are multiple times where it says God tests the heart and the mind. There's a very clear distinction between the two. So it's not just like they're using one word universally. Very specifically, it says, apply not your mind, but apply your heart to my knowledge. And this is one of those things that as I was reading, it jumped out at me and said, first question, well, why not the mind? If it's knowledge, shouldn't I be applying my brain to that? Shouldn't I be taking my mind and putting it on that knowledge? And for that matter, if you go back to Proverbs chapter 2, it says, if your heart is inclined towards understanding, wait, my heart needs to be inclined towards understanding, not my mind? How does that work? Well, that's exactly what we need to do on a regular basis, is find phrases just like this that are just a little bit beyond us, and cry out to God and say, God, show me what this means because I want to grasp it. One of the greatest quotes of all time by Mark Twain. I love this quote. Absolutely fantastic. He, he would be, if there was such a thing as a quotation, he would have been a quotation. He and C.S. Lewis would be quotations together. They just drop out awesome quotes and they drop the mic and walk away. Here's what he said. A man who carries a cat by the tail learn something that he can learn in no other way. <laughs> right? It's good. That's Mark Twain. A man who carries a cat by the tail learns something that he can learn in no other way. I could tell you what will happen if you pick up a cat by the tail. I can tell you how it'll arch its back and I can tell you how all cats have the ability to turn from nice and fluffy to this really quickly, okay? And I'm not saying anything bad about cats. I love cats. I'm trying to love cats, okay? But they have the ability, those furry paws, to like retract them. And it turns out that they were never furry paws. They were, they were distractions, right? 
in reality, there's these massive claws. And those cats, I can tell you about how they will seek to get purchase on anything within their reach if you grab them by the tail. I could walk you through the whole process, but you will learn something that you can learn in no other way by doing it for yourself, right? It's not a head knowledge, it's a heart knowledge. There are certain cats you got to grab by the tail and do for yourself and to dive into. There's a difference between a knowledge of the mind and a knowledge of the heart. And here it says, apply your heart to my knowledge. There's two things in this phrase. There's my heart and there's his knowledge. And why is it that I'm not applying his knowledge to my heart? It doesn't say that I take his knowledge and apply it to my heart. It says it just the opposite, that I take my heart and I apply it to his knowledge. It's like I take my heart and I press it up against the knowledge of who God is and what he's like and all of those things and I push until I realize that my heart starts to change. Let me tell you what this is not talking about. What this is not talking about is reading through the Bible and finding pearls in a verse or two strung together by details. And that we take that verse and kind of like a TED Talk We use it as a pick-me-up to get me through the week. That is not what this is talking about. It's not just about a little emotional pick-me-up, but this is about taking the Word of God, the incredibly deep and thick and rich and living and active Word of God and pressing my emotional person against it. But to be able to do that, we have to be able to slow down. Because we don't do anything slow. Everything's quick. We go from one place to another quick. We read quickly. We move on quickly. And, and until we see a phrase like this in our reading and it stops us cold and we go, what in the world does that mean? God, what did you mean by that? Because you're the one who said that. Apply your heart to my knowledge What do you mean, God? And we dive into that and we apply our hearts to it. It is so good to read the Bible in a year. It's so good to read it if you read it every other year. Whatever you do, if you're reading the Bible regularly and you're reading through passages quickly, man, that's so good. Read the Bible for breath. But every day in your readings, here's what you should do. Find a phrase like that that stops you in your tracks slow down and read it again and read it again and read it again. And as you're reading it, think about it. But don't just think about it. Don't just open your eyes or your mind to it. Open your heart to it. Take your heart and press up against it emotionally. You know what that's called? Meditating. Meditating on the Word of God. It's taking something like this and saying, okay, God, What does this really look like for me? And if I press against it emotionally, what happens inside of me? 
Apply your heart to his knowledge. When you read the stories in the Gospels, you read about Bartimaeus or the widow whose son Jesus raised from the dead. How do you read those stories? Because people ask me, how come when you're reading the stories, how come when you read those stories it makes more sense to me and you catch stuff I don't catch? Well, let me share with you how I begin every time. I read it, and then I read it again. And the second time, instead of just reading it, I try to imagine what that must have been like. What must it have been like for Bartimaeus to be on the side of the road with the dust blowing and in his mouth, on his tongue, and all the sounds but not being able to see, and everybody clamoring for Jesus' attention? And what must it have been like as he cried out to hear Jesus answer him? And what must it have been like when after Jesus answered, he healed him? What must that have felt like? What must that have looked like? Slow down and read it in such a way that you're not just engaging your brain, but you're engaging your heart in order that your heart may be formed by it. Apply your heart to his knowledge. And here's why. Because in verse 19... It says, not only do we do this in order that we might be changed, but ultimately we do it. Verse 19, that your trust may be in the Lord. I have made them known to you today, even to you, that your trust may be in the Lord. When you read the Bible, the spiritual discipline of reading the Bible, do you just come away every time with a long to-do list? Is that how you read it? Because if that's how you read it, the problem is, that I think is the problem, I mean, with why you don't treasure it. If all you do is read the Bible and come away with a to-do list every day, that's something that weighs heavily instead of builds affection. So as you read it, read and look for Christ because very clearly he said it's about him, right? And as you do that, allow it to change your heart. And as you see him, we almost called this series, I almost called this series, I wanted to call it, and somebody else talked me down. Here's what I almost called it. I almost called this series the liturgies of the heart. Liturgies of the heart. And everybody's like, nobody knows what a liturgy is, okay? I mean, at least 98% of the people who will be here will no idea what a liturgy is. But what it is, it's a form that affects our hearts. It's something that we do that we don't just do, we don't just do because we are supposed to, but in order to turn the affections of our heart. Here's what I mean by this. I find certain truths in my own heart. Like I find this truth. I care too much about what 23-year-olds far away from me, that I've never met, do with a little round ball. I care too much about that, truly. And I find in myself this, that the most natural inclination for me, and I'm not saying about anybody else, I'm talking about me, is the first thing I do when I get out of bed, I read ESPN. Okay? 
I recognize this inside of me. But I don't want that to be the case. So here's what I've done and continue to do. I haven't changed a thing. I still read ESPN. But I've changed the types of stories that I read. Instead, I've started reading stories like about NFL owners who go to massage parlors where there are women who are trafficked and get away with it because they have enough money. And I read about players who are abusive to their wives. Very deliberately, I've started reading these kinds of stories. And I read stories about people who used to be strong believers, but because of the tension and money and whatever else, have drifted. I read those kinds of stories very deliberately, and here is why. Because I do not want the first thing I think of when I wake up in the morning to be ESPN. And so to turn the affections of my heart, I have disciplined this aspect of it. Let me give you another example. Romans chapter 13 verse 7 talks about how if you owe taxes, you ought to pay taxes. And if you owe somebody money, you ought to pay them. And it says, if you owe somebody respect, you ought to give them respect. And if you owe somebody honor, you ought to give them honor. Now I read that, and for me that's an ought. It's an owe it. It's something I'm supposed to do. But let me be transparent with you. I don't have in my family a lot of military people. I have no family members close to me who died in the line of duty. And so I find a truth in my own heart that when I talk about honoring them, I don't mean it. So what do I do with that? Because the scripture is clear. This is what I ought to do. And I could just do it because I ought to do it. But that's not the way that I see in scripture God would change our hearts. Tomorrow's Memorial Day. And before sunrise, somebody's supposed to come and lower the flag to half staff. And then at noon, it's supposed to go to full staff. Such a small thing. And I've decided that that person needs to be me. Not because I care so much, but because I care too little. If this is what the scripture says, then I need to lead my heart in it. Not as an ought, but because it's there in my heart. And what we're talking about in reading the Word of God is that same thing. Little things like 
taking bread and a cup that's more than bread and a cup. It's about changing our hearts and turning them towards Christ. It's an action that we are going through not because we want to, but because we want to want to. It's about turning our heart that direction. That's pastoring your own heart, changing your own affections. And so if there's something that is for you and ought, there are ways to make it a want so that it's real, not manufactured. And that's what reading this is all about. Because in John chapter 5, Jesus was very clear as he was talking to the people who were more versed in Scripture than anybody else, more scripturally literate than anybody around them. Here's what he says to them in John chapter 5, verse 39 and 40. Here's what he says. He says, you search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. The verses point us towards Christ because they're all about him. And he's talking about the Old Testament here. As we read the Word of God, it should increase in us our affection for Christ Jesus. And if you find that that's not the case, if it's not like a white-hot affection, listen, it's either fuel or fire, right? Are you giving fuel to the fire? Because that's what's missing. Or you might be doing it, but you're not doing it for the right reasons. The motivation somewhere along the line lost their purpose. The reason why we read, the reason why we study, the reason why we cry out for understanding is that we might know Christ Jesus and the power of His resurrection. That we might love Him and love Him more every single day. That's it. And all that we do in these spiritual disciplines is focused on that. So if it's not white-hot affection for Christ Jesus, can I say to you, it's probably that you don't have fuel for your fire. That you're not giving it daily or understanding that that's what the purpose is. If you want to love Him and love Him more, add fuel to that fire. If somewhere along the line, maybe you believed in Jesus, but it's like the affection blew out. It doesn't just happen. The thing is, somewhere along the line, you started fueling a different fire. So come back to it. See it for what it is. Knowing and loving Him. See it as the treasure it is. Knowing and loving Him. And you'll cry out for it. You'll seek it like silver. And though you may not have all the training in it, when you come to it and you read a phrase that stops you in your tracks, apply your heart to my knowledge. You'll say, oh God, what does that mean? You'll start asking questions and saying, God, how in the world do I apply my heart to your knowledge? Why my heart? Why your knowledge? What's the point? And you'll start discovering what God has been saying for countless generations to countless other people. And he'll say it to you. And that's a cat. 
you have to carry for yourself. Because this is living and active and it is for you. So set aside time, dig into scripture, see who God is, and see what that does in your heart. Not because you're supposed to, but because you get to. Would you stand with me today? We're going to end service here in just a moment, and as I do, I, I always want to end with that same opportunity. Jesus Christ on the cross for you and for me. And the reason why is because his love was so great. You can't read the scriptures for more than a minute before you grasp the fact or start glimpsing the fact that God loves us so much that he gave his only son for you and for me because each and every one of us are separated from him and apart from the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we can never make it to him. It's just not possible. So instead, he came to us. And in that, he said, all you need to do is believe that I am who I said I am, that God raised him from the dead, that he was God and man, and confess with your mouth that he is the Lord of your life, Lord of your heart, has that supreme place. If you do those things, he says, you will be saved. So this morning, I just want to encourage you, if you're in here right now, and you've never done that, or if you long ago walked away from Christ, fire burned out, can I say, sacrifice is for you today. It's for you. So I'm going to pray in a moment, and as I pray, I just would encourage you, because I'm going to confess him as Lord of my life, and I would encourage you to join with me in that. And even as I speak those words, that you would confess him as the Lord of your life, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and you can be saved. Okay? Would you join with me in that? Father, I do thank you right now. Oh God, I thank you that when you laid out the scriptures for us, you gave us a book. It was a book. You didn't give us a movie. You didn't just drop these things into our brain, but you gave us a book, writings that we might be able to dive into them. Some of them are deeper than we can grasp. And yet in all of them, oh God, they start at a very basic level. And at the more we think and the more we dive in and the more that we seek to understand, the more we find there. Why? Because it's living and it's active for us. And today that word is true. Jesus himself said, you search the scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life, but they point to me. It's in me that you have life. Come to me. Come to me. They point to me. I am the word, he said. And so this morning, God, we thank you for that truth. And I just pray right now in the name of Jesus that any who are in here right now who have never put their faith in Christ or maybe today for the very first time since you calling them, God, I just pray that you by your Holy Spirit would do that very thing. Call them, call their hearts, speak to them at the heart level right now. And as you do that, God, I just pray that they would put their faith in you 
And just as I now confess you as Lord, you are Lord. May they also confess you as Lord. You are Lord of my heart. You are Lord of my life. You are my everything. You are my treasure. You are of supreme value. You are surpassing value above all else. And I want to love you most. I want to want you most. I want to know you most. You are Lord today. And I believe in my heart that the scriptures are true of you, that God raised you from the dead, that you died on the cross for my sins and you rose again. I thank you for that in the precious name of Jesus. Today, I just pray for each of our hearts. Lord, may we not do the things we ought to do because we ought to do them, but may we change the reason. May instead, in those things that we can pastor our hearts, if we know we ought to give honor But that honor is not coming from a real place inside our hearts. Help us to see that the issue is there and do what it takes to lead that. And if God, we're supposed to be hungry for your word, but we don't find that hunger there, help us to see the other things that we're nibbling on that are taking away from the real word of God. Help us truly, as Pastor Nathan said, to taste and see that you are good and seek you all the more every day, I pray. Thank you for it. In your name, Jesus. Amen. I want to thank you for joining us today. If you're in here and you prayed that prayer for the very first time and you confessed him as Lord of your life, as others step out and head out the door, would you step down to the front and pray with this prayer team? They've committed themselves not just to pray with you today, but to pray with you all week long. In fact, if you finding yourself that your affection is dying or or maybe it's not what it once was and you want to know what is it and you're seeking that man they would love to pray with you about that as well if you need healing or something else this morning as others head out the doors for this memorial day weekend take a moment longer head down to the front and they would just love 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 to pray with you today and they've committed to pray with you all week long thank you so much for joining us this morning god bless you as you go if you need prayer for anything Feel free to come down.